0: Yada, yada hi dharma-shad Jāne r-bhavati bha-harate Hadja jāna Say, I shall go
1: Krishna, welcome to the weekly Krishna Consciousness Radio program. This is Krishna Kanta Devi Dasi. We welcome you to Shri Shirdi Temple on 1229 Coatesville Riverhead Highway, Kumu, also known as Highway 12. Every Sunday there is a Sunday Feast program that begins at 11 a.m. with kirtan, midday Arti. and after midday Arti, there is a there's a short class on Bhagavad Gita as it is. After Bhagavad Gita class, there is Śrīla Prabhupāda Guru Puja. And after Guru Puja, there is Mahaprasadam. The next temple program is Nāshimha Dashi on Tuesday, the 25th of May. Because 2021 is Śrīla Prabhupāda's 125th birth anniversary, we will have reading from his biography called Śrīla Prabhupāda Lila Amrita, written by Satsarup Das Goswami by Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Reading from Srila Prabhupada, Leela Amrita,
2: Volume 1, a biography of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta, Swami Prabhupada, founder Acharya of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. I'm reading from chapter... I'm continuing from Chapter 5, The The War. Abhay began to think seriously about writing Vaishnav literature. His spiritual master had seemed very pleased and had told the editor of The Harmonist, whatever he writes, publish it. Business profits, if he could somehow expand them, could go for printing books in English. As his spiritual master had said, if you ever get money, print books. Certainly the Gauri was not going to do it. Kunjavihari had sold Bhaktisiddhanta's Siddhanta's printing presses to offset his legal expenses. No, Abhay would have to continue on his own. Maintaining his business and simultaneously trying to write and publish, and that was also the prescription of Srila Bhaktisiddhanta. Siddhanta, quote, It is better that he is living outside your company. When the time comes, he will do everything himself, end quote. It was in 1939 that Abhay wrote, Introduction to Gita Upanishad. It was a short piece, but it signaled his intention to take on the task of one day translating Bhagavad Gita into English with commentary. Of course, there there were already many commentaries in English, but, but most of them had been written by impersonalists or others who had not delivered the original spirit of the Gita the spirit of Arjun on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, hearing Bhagavad Gita directly from Lord Krishna. Abhay knew, however, that he could present Bhagavad Gita in the proper spirit by writing an English commentary based on the teachings of Lord Chaitanya and the discipline succession. So he began. Whenever he, would, he could make time, he would write although a strict grammarian could find faults in his english composition his meaning was always clear in his introduction abhay reflected on the time when as a young schoolboy he had attended a lecture vidyaratna a jewel the jewel of education the theme of the lecture had been that god does not exist and could not exist if there were god he would certainly have appeared on earth to put an end to all religious rivalry But since God had not obliged man in this way, we should banish all thought of his existence from our minds. The audience, Abhay explained, consisting only of so many young boys, did not delve deeply into the subject matter of the lecture. Yet the majority, impressed by the arguments, carried away lofty ideas of godlessness and thus became agnostics at home. Abhai had not been satisfied with the agnostic conclusion because I had been trained by my father to be engaged in the worship of Sri Sri Radha Govinda. But as a result of the Vidyaratna lecture, I was experiencing some mental conflict between agnosticism and the existence of Godhead. Later, having heard from his spiritual master, Srila Siddhanta. Abhay understood that the personality of Godhead exists in every sphere of activity. But we do not have the eyes to see him. Abhay wrote, Even if the Lord personally manifests himself on earth and quarreling, the quarreling mundaners will not stop their fighting and look upon Godhead or his representative due to ignorance. That This is the birthright of the individual soul by the grace of God. Bhagavad Gita is the true jewel of education and in the Gita, Lord Krishna declares to the fighting people on earth, Here I am, do not quarrel. The agnostic who had spoken of the jewel of education had been blinded by the jewel and therefore could not see and appreciate the personality of Godhead. Thus he had gone on. A, uh, he had gone on to convince others to become so-called jewels. Also, following his spiritual master, Abhay displayed an aggressive spirit for confronting all opponents of pure theism. In responding to his spiritual master's order to develop into an English preacher, Abhay was not simply making neutral scholarly presentations. He was willing and ready to fight whether against modern agnostics or Vaishnavism's old traditional enemy, Mayavad impersonalism. Although few scholars taught the way of surrender to Lord Krishna, as espoused in Bhagavad Gita, almost all respected Bhagavad Gita as presenting the essence of all knowledge. The Gita, therefore, was a perfect vehicle for confronting those who misrepresented God and religion. The Gita was a challenge to the agnostics, apotheosists, and anthropomorphists, impersonalists, henotheists, pantheists and absolute monists. Although there were already more than 600 commentaries on Bhagavad Gita, they had been written by persons with an inner hatred for the personality of Godhead and therefore they were imperfect. Such envious persons, Abhay wrote, have no entrance into the real meaning of Bhagavad Gita, inasmuch as a fly cannot enter into the covered jar of honey. Abhay described Indian culture as an almost impassable ocean, due to its depth of thought and apparent mixtures of conclusions. But in this book, Abhay declared, I will establish that Krishna is the absolute personality of Godhead, by referring to the available records of scriptures which are the recorded history of Indian culture and thought. The sannyasis at 7 Banerjee Lane were impressed by the scope of Abhay's thought and intentions. As it was customary to award a, a title to, the, to an especially worthy Vaishnav according to his qualities, Bhakti Saranga Goswami wanted to confer upon Abhay the title Bhakti Siddhanta. Sridhar Maharaj, however, thought it inappropriate to give Abhay the same title as the spiritual master. And he asked that Abhay's title be changed to Bhakti Vedanta. Bhakti means devotion. Vedanta meaning the end of knowledge. Abhay was grateful. The title combined the devotion of religion with the scholarship of the most rigorous philosophy as passed down by the scholarly followers of Sri Lord Chaitanya. He appreciated the sincere gesture of his god brothers and accepted the title as a further commitment to his spiritual path of preaching Krishna consciousness. Abhay continued regularly associating with Shri Maharaj and discussing with him Srimad Bhagavatam. Abhay encouraged him to preach widely, although Sridhar Maharaj was admittedly more the scholar and rather shy about going out and preaching. On several occasions, Abhay tried to convince Sridhar Maharaj to go with him and charge Gandhi and Nehru as to why they weren't following the principles of Bhagavad Gita. Another fruit of the spiritual association at 7 Banerjee Lane was a book called Prapanna Jeevanamrita Jeevana compiled by Sridhar Maharaj. A collection of verses from various Vaishnava scriptures, including excerpts from the works of Rupa Goswami. It was divided into six chapters according to the six divisions of surrender. Abhay, along with the sannyasis of the Devananda Saraswati Math, financed the publication. Thus, it was published as a joint effort by friends. September 3, 1939, Lord Linlithgow, Viceroy of India, announced that India was at war with Germany. Thus, England swept India into the war without consulting any Indians. Although independence-minded India certainly resented Such a show of foreign control. There were mixed feelings about the war. India wanted independence, yet she sympathized with the allied cause against fascism fascism in the West and feared an invasion by imperial Japan in the East. Since you dislike the British so violently, one author asked a typical New Delhi student of the day, would you want Japan to invade and conquer India? Student. No, but we Indians pray that God may give the British enough strength to stand up under the blows they deserve. Although at the outbreak of the war, India had only um, 175,000 men in her armed forces, the British managed to increase the number of Indian soldiers to 2 million. There was no draft. But the British sent recruiting agents all over India, especially in the Punjab, where military service seemed an attractive offer to the local poor. The Punjabis proved good fighters, whereas Bengalis enlisted as officers, doctors, contractors and clerks. Indian soldiers were dispatched to battlefields in Egypt, Iraq, Syria, Persia, Malaya, Burma and Assam. While the British were attempting to mobilize Indians for the war, the Indian Nationalist Movement, which had continued off and on for more than 20 years, became very active. Members of the Congress party refused to cooperate with the war effort and demanded guaranteed independence for India. Some thought that since England had her hands full with Germany, the time was ripe to revolt and gain independence by force. Gandhi's position had been one of unconditional pacifism and he had opposed the idea of Indians taking up arms, even to defend India. But by 1942, he had become more inimical and had reduced his policy towards the British to a simple, unequivocal, quit India. Thousands of Indians responded by chanting slogans in the street and even by tearing up the railway lines. Abhay's militant former schoolmate, Subhash Chandra Bose, fought against the British in his own way. He had approached Hitler in Germany and gotten him to agree with that when the Germans captured Indian soldiers, Germany would return them to Bose, who would maintain them in his nationalist army. With this army, Bose planned to return to India and drive the British from Indian soil. But dissatisfied with his progress in Germany, Bose made a similar agreement with Tojo in Japan. And soon thousands of Gurkhas and Sikhs, the best fighters in the uh, Indian army, had defected from the British army to join Bose's freedom fighters in Singapore. Bose began to prepare his army to invade India from the north. Then, in 1943, the British found that the Japanese who had already taken Burma were at the doors of India, approaching Bengal. By the tactic known as the denial policy, the British sank many Indian boats carrying food and destroyed large rice crops, fearing that they would fall into the hands of the enemy. This left local Indians starving and without the boats they needed for trade. The famine that that ensued was the first that had hit Bengal in 150 years. The government removed all control of food costs and those who could not afford to buy at the skyrocketing prices died in the streets of Calcutta. Srila Prabhupada. I have got experience. The government created artificial for me. The war was going on, so Mr. Churchill's policy was to keep the people in scarcity, so they would volunteer to become soldiers. So this policy was executed. Big men, they collected the rice. Rice was selling at 6 rupees per month. All of a sudden it came to 50 rupees per mound. I was in the grocer's shop purchasing and all of a sudden the grocer said, No, no, I'm not going to sell anymore. At that moment, the price was 6 rupees per mound, so suddenly he was not going to sell. A few hours later, I went back to purchase and the rice had gone up to 50 rupees per mound. The government, disappoint, uh, the go, sorry, the government appointed agents began to purchase the rice and other commodities which are daily necessities. They can offer any price because the currency is in their hands. They can print so-called papers, a $100, and pay. A man becomes satisfied, thinking, Oh, I have a $100, but it's a piece of paper. That was the policy. You have no money, no rice. So, another revenue is open. Yes, you become a soldier. You get so much money. People out of poverty would go there. I have seen it. No rice was available in the market, and people were hungry. They were dying. Abhay managed to purchase just enough for his own family to survive, but he saw the beggar population increase by the hundreds. Months after months, he saw the footpaths and open spaces congested with beggars, cooking their food on on improvised stoves and sleeping in the open or beneath the trees. He saw starving children rummaging in the dustbins for a morsel of food. From there, it was but a step To fighting with the dogs for a share of the garbage and this also became a familiar sight in the Calcutta streets the British had little time to spare from their war efforts and they worked only to save those lives essential for the fight for the common people the empire's prescription was uniform and simple starvation Srila Prabhupada one American gentleman was present at that time. He remarked, People are starving in this way. In our country, there would, be, there would have been revolution. Yes, but the people of India are so trained that, that in spite of artificial famine, they did not commit theft, stealing others' property. People were dying. Still they thought, All right, God has given. That was a basic principle of the Vedic civilization. Abhay knew that under the laws of nature there was no scarcity. By God's arrangement, the earth could produce enough food. The trouble was man's greed. There is no scarcity in the world, Shula Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati had said. The only scarcity is of Krishna consciousness. And this was how Abhay saw the 1943 famine. Now more than ever, this spiritual vision was relevant Krishna consciousness was the prime necessity. How else could man be checked from his evil propensities to become greedy, hoard, make war, and thus create misery for millions? He had seen the heinous activities of the British in India. They're cutting off the thumbs of the weavers so that Indian-made cotton goods could not compete with the foreign-made cloth. They're shooting down of unarmed innocent citizens. They're creating artificial famine. They're propagating the myth that Indian civilization was primitive. Still, he did not believe that the independent Indian government would necessarily be an improvement unless the leadership was Krishna conscious and neither Gandhi nor Subhash Chandra Bose was then the government would be able to provide no real solutions, only stopgap measures. Without obedience to the laws of God, And as expressed by the scriptures and sages, governments would only increase human sufferings. Then Calcutta was bombed day after day. The bombing was concentrated in specific areas such as the Kittapur Port Facility and Shama Bazar in North Calcutta. Very near Abhay's home at Sita Kantha Banerjee Lane. American planes had been leaving from airfields near Calcutta for targets in China and Japan. So the air raids on Calcutta seemed an inevitable retaliation. It was a Japanese striking back. Or was it? Some said it was the forces of Subhash Chandra Bose since the bombs fell mostly in the European quarter. But for the people of Calcutta, it made little difference. Who was attacking? After the first bombing, People evacuated the city. Blackouts were, were imposed and at night the entire city was dark. Srila Prabhupada The whole Calcutta became vacant. Perhaps only myself and a few others remained. I sent my son to Navadvip. Of course, my daughter was married. My wife refused to go out of Calcutta. She said, I'll be bombed, but I'll not go. So I had to remain in Calcutta. I've seen bombing in Calcutta all night. I was just eating when there was a siren. So the arrangement was that in your house would be the sh- in your house would be the shelter room. I was hungry, so I finished eating. Then I went to the room and the bombing began. Gee, yum. It was I was thinking that this was also Krishna in another form. But that form was not very lovable. In the midst of these calamities, Abhay felt more than ever the need to propagate Krishna consciousness. He had something to say to the war weary citizens of the world, and he longed for for a more effective forum, a publication of some kind, a way to present the world's crisis through the eyes of scripture in the same bold style as had his spiritual master. There was no shortage of ideas, and he had been saving money from his business for this very purpose. Yet how could he dare produce such a journal when even learned sannyasis, senior disciples of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, were not? He never considered himself a great scholar among his godbrothers. Although they called him Kavi and now Bhakti Vedanta, as a grihastha he wasn't expected to take the lead or publish his own journal. But times had changed. The English journal The Harmonist had not been published since before Srila Bhaktisiddhanta's passing away. Now almost a decade has had passed and the Gauri had been too busy fighting in court to consider preaching. Long gone was the tireless spirit that for 10 consecutive years had produced the daily Nadia Prakash. No longer were four separately located printing presses pumping out of transcendental literature, under the direction of Bhaktivinoda Thakur's empowered son. The presses had been told by Kunja Vihari. Times had changed. The Gauriya Math was only fighting while the non-devotees were killing each other in a world war. From his front room at 6 Sita Kantha Banerjee, Abhay conceived, wrote, edited and typed the manuscript for a magazine. He designed the logo, a long rectangle across the top of the page. In the upper left-hand corner was a figure of Lord Chaitanya, effulgent with rays of light like rays from the sun. In the lower right were silhouettes of a crowd of people. In darkness but groping to receive light from Lord Chaitanya. And between... Lord Chaitanya and the people, the title unfurled like a banner. Back to Godhead. In the lower right corner was a picture of Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati seated at his writing, looking up thoughtfully as he composed. Above the logo ran the motto, Godhead is light, Nescience is darkness. Where there is Godhead, there is no nescience. Below the logo were the following lines, edited and founded, under the direct order of His Divine Grace, Shri Srimad Bhakti Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Goswami Prabhupada by Mr. Abhay Charande. Abhay had already gained some printing experience in connection with his business and after completing the manuscript, he brought it to Saraswati Press the best printers in Bengal. He also hired an agent, Calcutta's prestigious booksellers, Thacker, Spink and Company, who would take responsibility for distributing the journal to bookstores and libraries, including outlets in several foreign countries. But when he went to buy paper, he met with government restrictions. Because of the war and the subsequent paper shortage, they wanted to assay what he had written in terms of the national needs. During this time of world crisis, an ordinary citizen's religious newspaper was hardly top priority. Abhay's request for paper was perfunctorily denied, but he persisted. He appealed that using paper to print the teachings of the personality of Godhead was not a waste and not untimely in the present troubled atmosphere. Finally, he obtained permission to print his first edition of Back to Godhead, a forty four page publication. Abhay Charan greeted his readers by defining his motto Godhead is light, Nashans is darkness. When man forgets that he is the son of Godhead and identifies himself with the body, then he is in ignorance. Is like a man who's very concerned with the automobiles mechanism yet with no knowledge of the driver. The defects of the present-day civilization is just like that. That is actually the civilization of nescience or illusion. Therefore civilization had been turned to militarization. Actually everyone is fully concerned with the comforts of the body and everything related with the body and no one is concerned with the spirit that moves the body, although even a body can realize that the motor car mechanism has little value if there is no driver of the car. This dangerous ignorance of humanity is a gross and has created a dangerous civilization in the form of materialization. This materialization, which in softer language is nationalization, is an external barrier to understand human relations. There's no meaning in the fight when the parties do fight only for the matter of different colored dresses. There must be therefore an understanding of human relation without any consideration of the body, bodily designation or colored dresses back to godhead is a feeble attempt to the undersigned under the direction of his divine grace sri srimad bhakti siddhanta saraswati goswami Prabhupad, the celebrated founder and organizer of the gauriya activities just to bring up a real relation of humanity with central relation of the supreme personality of godhead that there is a great and urgent need of a literature like this is keenly felt by the leaders of all countries And the following statements will have much, will help much in the procedure. Hare Krishna.
0: I uh-huh. don't